to you and I for the Kenai. This is Aaron and I'm back with Cobran today. And today we're recording a, another great recovery story with Katie. Katie, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. We're so excited. So um, Katie and I have a mutual friend that has actually been helping uh, our whole podcast team with some marketing stuff. So I met with this friend uh, and we had coffee together. We are hanging out talking about marketing and she kind of asked me like what we do and I told her oh like this is what our podcast is about you should go listen blah 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 and she says I have the perfect recovery story for you and so then she hooked me and Katie up via email and one week later and probably the most like the fastest podcast we've ever scheduled ever and I'm super excited (laughs) me too and a little nervous yeah (laughs) yeah that's how they always start out though (laughs) you start real stiff and trying to think of like, what, what happened when I grew up? Uh, do I even know? Like, yeah, but uh-huh. then as you get into it, the flow starts to come, and you're just like, oh, okay. I remember. Going and, way oh, back. Yeah. Kobe, Kobe Bryant calls that working into a lather. Is that? <laughs> working into a lather. All right. Classic basketball term. <laughs> exactly. Very, very popular. Tay-to-tay. All right. <clears throat> so, I guess we'll start um, just a little bit about you. Where are you from? Well, I was born and raised here in Soldotna, about a block away at uh, CPH, and... Uh, What's CPH? Uh, Central Peninsula Hospital. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Used to be CPGH, now it's just CPH, they dropped the general. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I lived here my whole life, uh, besides when I went to college in Washington, and moved to Hawaii on a whim, and came back to Alaska. Yeah. So, yep. Wow. What? Why? (laughs) I don't honestly really know. Other than uh, it was really expensive to live in Hawaii. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. And I was away from my family. And my my family were very, very close. So I was like a serious FOMO for sure. Oh, yeah. Did you miss the mountains too a little bit? Yeah. And just the, even though I can't really drive out of Alaska on a, you know, any given day, I at least felt like if I needed to, I could leave but on uh the island of Kauai you can't really uh, go anywhere is there like a little bit of almost island claustrophobia yeah kind of? exactly i didn't even think about that like that would maybe be like something that would happen from living on the yeah island. i think the i think Kauai is like 33 miles long oh oh especially especially yeah. small island gotcha <laughs> yeah all right <laughs> although it's it is like heaven so mm. yeah i i get that way even here it's in a different sense, though, because uh, I'm from Montana, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's, like, big sky country. Yeah. And especially where we're from on the eastern side of the state, it's, like, flat, super dry, but the sky goes forever. Like, you can see to the very end of the sky. And, like, I first moved here, like, a year ago, and, like, the first thing I thought was, like, dude, these trees are, like, going to fall on top of me. Because, like, you can't <laughs> see. You know, like, right. It's just trees everywhere. You can't see, like trying to look over and just can't see anything i did it was like really claustrophobic for like the first month i lived here was like just this weird like, i didn't sense think of about that that's like, interesting well, like well the die. fires might be taking care of some of that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we're gonna have some big sky country here for, for sure. sure oh man so what was um what was you said you're close with your family have you always yeah. been that close with your family yeah uh-huh um yeah i've got two brothers and one sister and uh, we, the younger of the two of us, me and my brother, David, um, we were always really close growing up because we were like each other's friend and playmate. And then my other two siblings, Jason and Amy, are um, 
you know, a little bit older, so they were kind of in their own mm-hmm. world and got to babysit us. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, great parents, and um, yeah, I'll get into my. I've got my mom still, but my dad passed away uh, when I was still using. So yeah. uh, that's that's definitely a part of my story that is near and dear to my heart. Yeah. How old are you when your dad passed away? Um, let's see, it was, it's going to be six years in November, so that would age me back to 29. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. On the six years. And being 29. Well, I'm not six years sober. Oh, okay. But, okay. Um, yeah, no, I had to stumble and fall and right. and uh, roll around in the muck uh, before I, you know, after he passed and then right. mm-hmm. um, made some mistakes and... Uh, so had you been... Had you been like trying to get sober before your dad passed, like at times? Yeah, I think I was kind of in denial about it actually being a problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of me. It was like I was Jekyll and Hyde. Like I knew that there was a problem and it was embarrassing to address. Mm-hmm. But yet um, I would tell everyone else like, I, you know, <laughs> I don't have to drink. Uh, I can quit what I want. And I just don't want to, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would just keep at it. And uh, it affected uh, everything in my life, including my my relationship with my family. Yeah. So, yeah. So, how... <clears throat> so, was it uh, mostly drinking? Yeah. Yeah. Most yeah, it was pretty point. much all drinking. I mean, I would smoke pot here and there, but that was mostly in my younger days, mm-hmm. like... Uh, Maybe middle school, well, for sure middle school. And then not as much in high school because I was involved in swimming, and mm-hmm. I was very involved in swimming, which is how me and um, our mutual friend know oh, each other. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I was pretty straight-laced in high school. Yeah. Um, I've actually tried swimming under the influence. It's not enjoyable. Oh, my You just gosh. feel like you're drowning the whole yeah. time. There's nothing good about it. No. Just, just wanted to put that in there. It's, it's, yeah, when, I, when I used to smoke in like high school, you know, it was just uh-huh. like a bunch of guys, and so we'd all go to like this little, um, this little school like way outside of town to play basketball. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd always be like, dude, I feel so good. Like I'm gonna play so well. Like I just like, you're gonna get there, dude. And the ball's so heavy. And, like, you're I, out of breath. So heavy. <laughs> my body just feels like a noodle, bro. And so like, I just start like giving it one of these, just, like throwing it up. Like, Is there a chair I can sit in while I'm doing <laughs> yeah. this? Because <laughs> just absolutely. Absolutely terrible. Mm. This is never good at anything. Yeah. While using, dude, like just wasn't good. The confidence is there. Like, oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah, I've, I'm really in it. I really feel it. It's like that it. scene from no, American you're Pie. Wrong. I repeat, confidence is high. <laughs> confidence is high. <laughs> it was so bad. So, was it around middle school that uh, like you tried your first drink, or was was when was that? Uh, it's really foggy. In fact, I don't even know that I've uh, really put a an age on it but I I think it was before middle school because there's a certain friend who I associated with those years and um, we went to Seward for the uh, 4th of July and I remember actually like getting on top of the car I've got a drink in each hand and I was singing uh, two pina coladas by Garth Brooks at the top of my lungs. So, yeah. and of course we swam Before in the in school? the um, inlet, or I mean in the uh, 
you know, out in the ocean and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, before middle school. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and my my friend's mom actually references that, like, all the time. Uh, <laughs> like, in it's, a it positive, seems very memorable. In a positive light, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Because, um, I mean, it was a fun memory. Mm-hmm. It was a blast. I shouldn't have been doing it. Mm-hmm. it my, when my mom listens to this, she's going to be like, what? Right. <laughs> but that's when it the fun really began. So what was that experience like? So your first time, you're having, like, this obviously pretty positive association. Like, kind of take us back, like, to that. Like, how does that come about? Like, before before middle school, you know what I mean? Like, you're probably, what, 10? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, neighborhood friends, um, this one in particular was uh, the friend that I would sneak out and go hang out with and would smoke pot with and... um, my mom always, or my parents always trusted me, and I always did stay close to the tracks that I was supposed to be on, mm-hmm. but occasionally I'd be like, all right, you know, well, what's the, what's this right. going to hurt, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I did get into a, a few things that I shouldn't have. Um, you know, I wasn't supposed to be riding ATVs, and I wasn't supposed to be riding snow machines, and um, but I did those things because I was like, I'm in control, I know what I'm doing, and... Mm-hmm. So it was basically just hanging out with a neighborhood friend. And uh, then we had the opportunity to go to Seward, and it was like everyone's celebrating, Mm -hmm. so what's the big deal? And so it's not like I blame her mom for anything. It was everywhere, and, you know, we just kind of got into it. And, yeah, it was all just a positive association Mm -hmm. with it and a little bit of being a bad girl because... um, I was invincible. Yeah. And I know growing up, uh, being a teenager, you have, you kind of want independence of some kind. You want your own, you know, just like you're talking about with ATVs and snow machines, I'm ready for this. Yeah. Was that kind of, was, uh, did drinking develop into kind of the same uh, place in the sense of this is, this is kind of like, oh, I'm being independent or I'm Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's, there is a bit of rebel in me for sure. Um, I didn't feel like I've never really cared what people thought about me. I uh, I didn't think, oh well, I'll be cool if mm-hmm. I drink. I just felt like when I do drink, I feel like um, in retrospect now, the world closed in around me, and it was just mm-hmm. me in this small little you know bubble, mm-hmm. and everything was so much funner, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so I just. I didn't really think about it other than we don't have alcohol in the house. They have alcohol in the house. It's funner over there. And so mm-hmm. after I go to bed and my, I knew my parents were asleep, I'd sneak right back out and go take part in whatever was going on down the road. So your parents didn't drink at all? Not really. Not the really occasional either. glass of wine for my mom, very occasional. And then um, my dad would have a margarita when we'd go out for Mexican food and that's right. it if he had any beers in the house they would either collect dust or be in the fridge for a year mm-hmm. so and that's a that's a different take that's not usually what we you know hear in recovery stories it's not you from from yeah. what i remember it's <laughs> not usually like yeah the home's pretty stable mm-hmm. um that kind of thing uh but i know even that can can foster even more of like i guess a rebellious mm-hmm. kind of state potentially and i think we see that more with alcohol than like illicit substances you know what i mean like a lot of people or not a lot of people i guess like a lot of people that we've talked to 
that are in recovery, especially like with alcohol now, are like, you know, you think of um, like, I don't want to say his name, but yeah, you know, Other about, like, yeah, and like a pretty stable home, but like his parents drank, you know, it's just kind of like this thing where like, or, you know, like on fishing boats, like everyone else drank, uh -huh. and like, oh, I'm trying to be a little bit older than I am or this or that. And it's one of those things where like, you're not necessarily in, well, some cases, you're not necessarily in like dire need of like some family like stability or anything like that. You know, you're not necessarily trying to like cover up pain or anything like that we typically see with like illicit substance users. That's a good point. But like, you just want to party. You know what I mean? You just want to have yeah. fun. You're doing like what normal kids do, but it's just like something else. It's like, oh, I want to do what normal kids do, but when I do this, I'm not normal. You know, I every time I drink, I pretty much black out every time. I'm the one who doesn't stop, you know? And then like, in high school, you get this weird thing where like, at least in my experience, like, pretty personal experience, I guess maybe I'm projecting here a lot, but it's like, you kind of get that thing where it's like, oh, now you can kind of find an identity in that. You know what I mean? Where, like, especially mm -hmm. when you have siblings, dude, it's kind of hard to find, like, an identity sometimes. You're like, oh, you're so-and-so's brother, or you're so-and-so's kid, or you're so-and-so this and so-and-so that. Like, you don't really, like, being around so many people, you don't really have a chance to figure out, like, who you are as an individual, you know, because you're around so many people and so many influences all the time. So like, when you get, like, this, like, identity of, like, oh, this is the partier. You know, like, when you want to have fun, call Katie or call Aaron, since I'm projecting. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, like, call that, or call that friend, you know? Right. <laughs> like, you kind of get this, like, oh, yeah, that's who I am kind of thing. And then, mm -hmm. like, for me, I guess, like, I ran with that. I mean, okay, that was a rabbit trail. but no. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, I, I for sure, uh, I was Gary's kid. I was Lou's daughter. Um and I was, I was Martin's, uh, oh, whoops. Mm -hmm. I was my brother's younger sister. And, uh, so especially cause we were so close in age, mm -hmm. I was just a little, you know, Klingon sister. So, <laughs> right. and I, but I've always had such a, wah, you know, uh, presence mm -hmm. I feel like. Mm -hmm. And I've always been the one that everyone t like my family would be like, you know, apply filter now or, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, and so I think I think when I started dabbling in alcohol, I think it brought out more of that. And mm -hmm. so people started seeing Katie plus, Katie's being extra, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, so I loved that because they were like, well, you know, Katie's, I'm not saying when I was young, Katie's cool. Because if you look at pictures of me when <laughs> I was young, that's not cool. <laughs> but um, but I've always just had that, like, you mm -hmm. know, wah, fun kind of personality. And that definitely, wah, like, uh, exponentially made me uh, more extra. Mm -hmm. And uh, I loved it. And so I felt like I was born. So going back to regular Katie was mm -hmm. like, boring wah wah you know uh so i think i looking back i think i struggled with that a lot because i had a new enhanced identity mm -hmm. so did your parents ever talk to you about like alcohol or anything like that or yeah um did I mean, they didn't know off? that I was dabbling in it when yeah. I was as young as I was. Mm -hmm. So uh, they didn't feel the need to express to me that uh, my aunt and my uncle were both alcoholics. Mm -hmm. um, my aunt has been recovered a long, long, long time. Well, both of them have, but her um, especially. And But I didn't know that. 
because I was young and just mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, like my ceilings right here and the, the adults are up here. And mm-hmm. um, I had no concept of like r- real problems or, or real um, uh, character flaws or anything. Like right, I, right. I had no idea. So it wasn't until I was starting to have problems that uh, I was aware of that, Very, you know, somewhat recently in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they talked to me about it when I was starting to make stupid choices. And right. When do you start making stupid choices? <laughs> so after high school, because like I said, I was pretty straight-laced in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, junior, junior year I was co or assistant captain, and senior year I was captain of the swim team. So... Uh, I had to stay mm-hmm. focused, and I was okay with that. <clears throat> that was just kind of the normal for me in my household, mm-hmm. um, sports and academics, although, you know, academics not, not so well. But, <laughs> sports um, up here, academics, yeah, a little bit of And actually, <laughs> I showed up to a party at our neighbor's house, and I asked my mom, I said, Mom, it's a party. I'm in high school. It's the, you see the porch from here. <laughs> Can I just go and say hi or whatever? Mm-hmm. And she's like, Yeah, I guess. And so I went and I said hi. And I didn't drink, you know, because I had a swim meet the next morning, and that was mm-hmm. a thing. Every weekend, I was either out of town mm-hmm. or had a home meet. Yeah. And um, so when I walked into that party, I hear Katie, you know, my last mm-hmm. name. Uh, you're here? What are you doing here? You know, because I just was never allowed. Yeah. And I just I just couldn't go to parties. But it was when I was in college, I would call my dad and be like, oh, my God, Dad, I'm at a triple kegger. It is off the hook, you know. <laughs> and he'll be like, well, don't tell your mother, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he just, bless his heart, he was so proud of me and loved me so much and mm-hmm. And, uh, but he wanted me to, to have fun and he want, I think he wanted to be the fun, cool parent too. Right. So, uh, I would call him and I felt like I had that bond with him, even though he didn't really drink, mm-hmm. I'd be like, I'm having so much fun, dad. And I could always tell him, uh, things that my mom would be like, you know, you should do this. <laughs> you, know, you shouldn't do that. Like mom, I already know. <laughs> I know that, but I want to have, I'm still yeah. doing it. <laughs> I'm still right. doing it. And I want to bounce this off somebody. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, I would be at these parties in college and there have been some, that's really interesting, dude. Cause like I think about that and I'm like, if there was any time I'm at a party at any age, like, ever, <laughs> the last, the last person I'm calling <laughs> is any of my parents. <laughs> yeah. Like, as I got older, like, into, like, 21 plus, like, me and my stepdad got to the point where like, we go to, like, different sporting events, you know, and have some beers. But, like, never, like, oh, <laughs> I'm not, like, 19 calling my parents, like, I'm so bombed. Like, or, like, oh. I'm not a triple kegger. My mom would be like, oh, my God, dude, shut up. <laughs> right. like, you loser Click. <laughs> like that's just like I, honestly it's kind of nice though in ways because mm-hmm. it's like it is that thing where at least you know like when you call you're not gonna get shamed you're, mm-hmm. like, you're gonna be supported and they did really uh stress that when i was younger M- both my mom and my dad like call me if you're and i did have to call my mom a couple times mm-hmm. uh when i was just like you know oops you know maybe you should come get me because you know, and then mm-hmm. there wasn't any talk about it. It was, I would go down to my room and, you know, and I did the right thing. 
I mean, I did the first. The first choice was a wrong choice. But <laughs> yeah. I came yeah. around you in the end. Any worse, so that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is interesting that you brought that up because that's not something that I would do. But at the same time, someday in the future when I have kids, I wouldn't mind that. Like, I wouldn't mind. At least they're checking it. Like, right. I mean, if they're, uh, you know, if they're below 21, maybe I'll be like, hey, uh, you should probably come home. This was a bad yeah. idea. But, you know, other than that, like what you were saying, it's almost like you're the good you're sharing that good time with your dad and 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 at that point it sounded like it was still kind of a positive experience hadn't mm-hmm. quite uh hit that part and you can correct me if i'm wrong but we've seen this pattern before but it's like at some point the party kind of stops but then you don't mm-hmm. like it doesn't for you so oh, yeah. you get to that college life it's like holy sh- this is the best time i don't want this to end and, you know, people are kind of leaving that, that party zone, but you're still in the middle of it. Like, oh, yeah. What? Why? We're still going? What? Yes. Oh, yeah. I remember being so angry with the people who would either pass out or leave. You know, I'd be like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. There's so much more partying to be done. Like, it's not even 6 a.m. yet. Yeah. We got time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't need to go to that class, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I failed economics twice because of my behavior. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That just hits me too personally, right there. <laughs> yeah, well, I just re- I just started college again for the second time, and so like my f- I remember like so my first semester at college, the very first semester I went, I was like, oh man, I need a little more freedom. I'm an adult. I'm 18 now. I need some responsibility. I think I was 19 actually. So I'm gonna go live in the dorms. I went to college in the same town I went to high school in. There was no reason for me to live with the dorms. It's just an expensive choice that I made because I wanted to party. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so then same. I was in the dorms literally like three months, dude. They kicked me out. <laughs> yeah, same thing. They're like, dude, there you got like three noise complaints. And like the first two days, like you're drinking too much. Like they gave me $800 to leave the dorms. <laughs> yeah. we'll, pay, we'll pay you $800 <laughs> to get out like, of here. We'll just refund all your dorm fees, bro. Like, we, you just can't be here. Wow. And, like, and honestly, it's one of those, one of those things where, like, the party, like, if I would have went home two hours earlier, I might have been fine. You know? I, like, very genuinely might have been okay. But, like, it's around 3, 4 in the morning. People start waking up, you know, and you're being a little too loud. Yeah, I feel that like on a really, really personal level, right in the old heart strings. Yeah, speaking of dorms, when we signed up for me to go to college um, in Washington, my mom thought, well, maybe you should be in this certain dorm because there was like a, a no alcohol, no tolerance, um, uh, good kid dorm. Mm-hmm. So she's like, maybe you should go to that one. And I was like, I mean... All right. I mean, I can have my fun elsewhere, right? Mm-hmm. So I tried, and um, it it went okay for a while. But the, the moment there was an open room in the other dorms, mm-hmm. I jumped on it. I was like, get me out of here. And I had been rooming with a girl that I went to high school with and swam on the swim team with. And we were great friends. Mm-hmm. And we got down there, and she was doing the studious thing and Mm -hmm. I was doing the not studious thing Mm -hmm. and I would come in at like three in the morning she'd be asleep and then so it we started like you know button heads and Mm -hmm. there was all this weird tension because we were living completely different lives we Mm -hmm. had totally different priorities and I mean it took a long time after college you know before we you start being friendly to another one another again and that really sucks that's one of the many Mm -hmm. um relationships that i 
shit yeah, on. Just, is that the first time like that your drinking really creates like this like uh, division in a, like in any relationship at that point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think that might have been that might have been like the first one mm-hmm. that you know it was. I can definitely say it was alcohol that made me the person that was unlikable and untol intolerable. I just. I, I had no care in the world for her needs or I didn't respect her space, our space. Um, and so I just did the easy thing, which is go be with more people like me. Mm-hmm. And so you are who you surround yourself with. I fully believe that. Oh, yeah. So what was going through your head during that process where you're like, well, she's lame. I'm moving on. Yes, more exactly. Yeah. Super lame. Mm-hmm. And I had a roommate before her, the one that I was assigned who was like super into Mickey Mouse and the dorkiest ever? I was like, get me out of this. And that, see, that was like. She's going to be listening to this going. Yeah. I don't even remember her name. It didn't last long, not, but a couple of weeks. But um, that was a personality thing. Mm-hmm. That was, it was just not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, uh, with my high school friend, it was definitely the alcohol. But. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to go surround myself with people who like to have more fun. Mm-hmm. And it got me into some tough situations. I feel like fun is air quotable. Totally. Fun, yeah. So you're, move- so you're moving to the dorms. How did you stay? How long did you stay in school? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. So running and gunning pretty hard, I imagine, at two and a half years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what does, like, what does that look like, like... With your relationship, like with your parents, like you said, you failed economics twice. I'm yeah, no, they were pretty, pretty bad. Actually, I printed off my transcripts last week to give to a potential employer, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Can I just like tell you how many credits I have, or do you have to see like what I was in and what I didn't finish?" Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really, it was piss poor. I mean, I'm pretty sure I nailed golf. And uh, (laughs) there were a few that I classes. In fact, U.S. history or whatever history it was, I did really well in. And I think it's because my teacher was cool and she made it fun, actually. Mm -hmm. But that, you know, you can't always count (laughs) college professors being that way. But, uh, yeah, grades were very poor for sure. And so is that, like, affecting your relationships at all? Like um, oh, yeah, right. Sorry, I forgot the, the point of the question. Um, <laughs> uh, they, you know, they just kind of encouraged me to try harder. I think they knew that I would be having fun in college, and mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. They didn't come down on me too hard. That's, that's when I moved to Hawaii, you know, because I had come home for summer and met um, a guy and he moved back to the dorms with me or not to the dorms. I was renting an apartment or the basement of a house with a friend also from here. It was a wooey school. So, um, the Western undergraduate exchange. Hmm. So there were a lot of people that I knew there. And, um, so he moved back with me to college and then we were like, you know, Ooh, let's yeah. let's be jerks to this friend who is now my daughter's teacher, by the way, <laughs> um, <laughs> over at Skyview. Uh, let's be an asshole to him. That's what you because, call full circle, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> um, and ruin this relationship and move to Hawaii. Of course, it's not like a conscious choice, but I was defending the relationship I was in, which was toxic. And 
um, which in turn was two on, against one mm-hmm. on my friend and roommate. And so we just basically ditched. And uh, it wasn't until, again, recent years where, I mean, I'm pretty sure he avoided eye contact with me and I had to like yell his name a few times mm. and then he finally turned around because I'm that kind of person like hey hey look at me look at me <laughs> and uh so then I run up and give him a hug and I've never and I need to do this probably a pair of teacher conferences as weird mm. as, that, as that sounds I'm gonna right. have the opportunity to make amends to him mm. but uh yeah I just every time someone had the right idea of life I turn the you know, mm-hmm. other cheek. So, <sighs> do you think it started building up and kind of becoming like a momentum thing? It's like um, I don't know if how your friend was reacting at the time. If he was like, "You need to change" or anything, or if this was just like a... super level headed, oh, just okay. like yeah, you know, very calm, cool, collected, mm-hmm. very respectable, respectable. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. But was it kind of like looking? still searching for that good time like in uh-huh. hawaii was that like the next school you're just like now that's where it's gonna keep the party's gonna kind of keep going was was that kind of your mindset or was yeah i mean because he and i had just gotten together over the summer and then mm-hmm. you know uh i did a half year of half-assed mm-hmm. <laughs> college and then you know we ended up selling stuff so we could move there mm-hmm. and it was a very manipulative and toxic relationship, like I had mentioned, and so... How does that contribute to your drinking at this point? I felt crazy. I felt mm-hmm. uh, like I was in love with this person because of the things that he said mm-hmm. and the way that just a narcissistic behavior, um, anything I would do that wasn't right was... You know, I just felt like I was never doing anything right, always walking on eggshells, Um and then he was never doing anything wrong, so it's my perception of what he's doing that's the problem. And it was just a mess. And so it got worse and worse. And I remember when we were on the island, um, we had a car, but he would always take the car. Mm-hmm. And so I rode the bike everywhere, and uh, so I was kind of stuck. Couldn't mm-hmm. really do a whole lot. I got a job at the local fish market, and I loved that. And... Um, just kind of kept it close to home, but I didn't have any freedom. And so there was tension because I'd, I'd be like, can I take the truck? And, you know, it's like, well, I need to, you know, I need to work. Like someone's got to work, you know, cause my job wasn't as good as his job apparently. Mm-hmm. And so it just got really bad to the point where I was hitchhiking. The, that's dangerous. That right. was definitely not something that my parents would approve of. Mm-hmm. Um, especially on the Island. I mean, I love it to death, but there's, there's a lot of drugs there. There's a lot of drugs here, but I kind of know how to navigate around this area and mm-hmm. who, you know, you just kind of know where you're at here, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there we ended up getting jumped by a bunch of meth heads and having to drive home in a a drunken panic it was the scary that's that's the moment we moved home I'm going off on all sorts of tangents but Mm -hmm. he um uh he he brought a lot of crazy out of me and I would definitely drink because of it and so when I was stuck at home a different fourth of July Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he didn't come home until well after um, 
you know, midnight. And so I was wasted by the time he got home. Then we fought and, and, uh, then we did cocaine and then we made up and then it was just a big mess. It was a storm. And, and uh, that was my life. And it felt normal after a while. Right. Yeah. Kind of get used to the chaos. Yeah. Yeah. So like on a day to day, like what's your drinking look like? Like, are you drinking it like before work? Are you going, like, what's your day to day? So look like at this point? when we moved back to at, right, like right now, no, 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 <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> like, that's not a very good story. I, mean, I don't know how much. <laughs> no, like, when you're in Hawaii, Still. like towards the end, like when you're kind of enveloped in this relationship. And... Oh yeah. So I had to leave and go to my brother's wedding mm -hmm. in Tennessee. So I left the island, went to, and it was weird being like, I mean, I felt even though they were in Alaska and I was in Hawaii, I felt like. When I met back up with them, like, I had been on Mars, <laughs> you mm. know? And so normal life with my normal family um, that I normally enjoy to the fullest, it was just kind of weird. And I still had that, like, I need to drink to, um, to be my fun self. Yeah. And so I don't even remember much of that, honestly, because it was just really bizarre to me. But, um, of course, I remember the wedding, <laughs> but it was just weird. And so that was kind of a glimpse of, like, whoa, when I go back to, like, real life, when we move back to Alaska, what what's it going to be like? I mean, mm -hmm. I've kind of ostracized my family a little bit mm -hmm. at that point because they didn't approve of what I was doing. Mm -hmm. How was I supposed to keep doing and it? Honestly, probably they... rightfully so. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, for sure. <laughs> those crazy people don't want me to drink and be in toxic relationships. <laughs> I know. So I would say I moved back. I got a job and um, I was doing really well. I uh, got pregnant within a year, had my daughter um, when I was 22 and, you know, fast forward, he and I had a lot of uh, fights because, again, he wouldn't approve of me leaving the house when I had a newborn. And I, I am not one of those moms who, like, will s sit at the house and, like, tend to the kid. I was like, oh, my God, somebody get me out of here. Like, I would... I'd uh, have my mom come pick me up and take me into town so I could at least be with another person. Mm -hmm. It was being a new mom was really, really hard for me. So, um, but he would want me to stay there and then he would be mad if it wasn't uh, clean or like, what'd you do today? You know? And I'm like, well, I tried to keep this child happy and I like, it's been really hard. You know, I've got the doula or the, the, I think they call it like La Leche nurse or whatever, coming over to help me breastfeed because I'm having a hard time with that. Mm. And I, he loses his job because he's around in Delta and with like drug felons and stuff. And so oh. he moves back and now we have no income. And anyway, it's just like, it was a show. And um, so I ended up leaving him uh, when my daughter was two. And so, so just to backtrack real yeah. quick. What what did your use look like, like, right before you got pregnant? Like, just a day-to-day, -day, like, mm. like kind of, like, run me through a day in the life of Katie. 
I like actually three, was doing three. really well at that point because I was living with my parents. Oh, okay, okay. We were both living with my parents. Oh, okay. So God. that's what, what kind of effects did that have on like your relationship with your parents, like having this guy and you living in their house? Like, um, it was fine. Yeah. Um, it was actually kind of bizarre because if I'm your parent, I'm stressed. <laughs> right. Well, the thing is, you got to factor in that he was extremely. Um, manipulative okay. he was the fun lovable um guy you know yeah. and so we would make drinks like margaritas because i knew my dad loved margaritas he'll be accepting of our behavior if we say oh dad we got margaritas <laughs> and so we we did we had got the magic bullet out you know we're making margaritas <laughs> and and my mom would you know partake a little bit just to kind of probably appease me a little bit <laughs> and um my dad would have a little but i mean just like yay cheers sip and then i'm done with it right <laughs> and then we'd be like oh you know drink all the tequila mm -hmm. um so we were pretty good and then it was when we moved out that you know things they were able to see kind of what was going on and um I still wasn't drinking a lot but um enough to uh get pregnant <laughs> without, <laughs> without like realizing I wasn't you know mm -hmm. being you know, prudent about taking my contraceptives. So, mm. um, just kind of, just kind of falling off the responsible, mm -hmm. uh, track mm. a little bit, but, um, so that was a pretty long relationship. Yeah. Know. I mean, let's see, I was 19 when we got together, I think, and we were together till she was two. It wasn't that long. I mean, what was that like five years? It's a decent amount of time yes. to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone gave me five more years to be okay with it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm sitting it here was... thinking, dude, like, that's literally like 20% of my life. Right. <laughs> like, oh, man. But, I mean, especially in that kind of toxic relationship, that kind of control thing. It was very confusing. Thing. Very confusing. Was, that, what, was there like a period of kind of rediscovering yourself after that was over? Like not feeling closed in anymore well, yeah and that's probably was that where, <laughs> that kind where of things went off. a little bad <laughs> yeah because like... i left him and I, I had an apartment in kenai and now that i was free and boy did i feel free uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> i would um on weekends i would take uh, I would start drinking like in the morning and just because I had my own space I was taking pride in my space and I'd be mm -hmm. like I can drink and putter around and do the laundry and and you know keep the place clean it's my mm -hmm. own little place and that's mm -hmm. what I would do I was I would just drink and then it'd be like okay oh, can you come can you run by my house to grab blah 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 and I'd be like no mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I can't because uh, and then the excuses started, you know, mm -hmm. I can't because, or, you know, or yes, I can that day, but then the day came and I wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And so with that freedom became, I mean, I became, uh, my own prisoner. Mm -hmm. So you think that lack of structure was, mm -hmm. was kind of what contributed? Cause it sounded like in high school you had the swim team and you just like, it was gone. Like you yeah. didn't even really think about it. Mm -mm. And when you were in Hawaii, you had that job you had to go to and you had to bike a lot and stuff. And with your parents, that was that structure. But it sounds like when you're on your own and you're really on your own, 
that that freedom is almost it's working against you for sure because you're like i i don't really have to be accountable here Mm -hmm. i mean i got to make sure this gets done and this gets done but hey you know i enjoy dishes more when i'm drunk so why not yes and cooking yeah oh my gosh yeah (laughs) i could not cook without drinking to Mm -hmm. the point where like what i made was not even edible because i'd forget about things and burn (laughs) them or i would add too much of something because i was just literally like spinning around the the room like a little bit of this a little bit of this you know <laughs> and just like what is this mess mm-hmm. that you made you know? it doesn't work out like the disney movies no know? it doesn't it's not, not quite anyone comes over like this is terrible yeah <laughs> oh gosh but yeah at, at some point does it start i mean it's got to start catching up to you that you know even even i don't know if this realization would really occur but that you know after a certain point it's just not fun just living day to day without it. And mm-hmm. so you, you, that becomes the regular and then that's not even enjoyable. I don't know if that's how it works uh, uh, exactly, but even in, in my experience with like weed is like once that becomes your, your that's a good time. Like every day, that's part of it. But then it just becomes that's a normal time. And uh-huh. what's the next level? How do you keep having fun? It's either mm-hmm. more or something else. So Yeah, it closes in on you, the time. So like... When it got really bad, I don't want to skip ahead too far, but just while you're on that note, like, mm-hmm. when it got really bad, I was, I would drink until I, you know, it was like, I better go to bed or I'm not going to make it to work in the morning, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I drink until then, and then I get up in the morning, feel like shit, probably throw up, and then I drink more before going to work, and mm-hmm. then I couldn't wait to get off work so I could go have more hair to the dog. And then it leaves a window about five minutes in my day that I'm not actually drinking. Yeah. So that's a little glimpse into the, the final <laughs> days of drinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so actually, let's get there. So okay. uh, when does it... When does it like tra- when does this transition from like oh on the weekends to like every day? So, in two thousand thirteen, of let's see, I, it was July of two thousand thirteen. My dad was diagnosed uh, with stage four can- terminal cancer. So, um, that went south very fast. He ended up dying in November, mm-hmm. and so while he was sick, I would literally go visit him after drinking. I don't know if it was because I just was having a hard time coping. I'm sure that's part of it. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't even go visit him first and then go drink. Like, I had Mm -hmm. to drink first. And then my mom would be like, you smell like beer. And then, because I was keeping it pretty cash by just having beer, right? Like, (laughs) okay, so uh, then I'd stop by my dad and he would be like in his bed and he'd say i'd give him a kiss and he'd say mm, you've been drinking and oh god it just is so painful to go back there mm-hmm. but um i'd be like oh dad i just stopped at the brewery no big deal come on and uh and just like he was when i would call him from the triple kagers he'd mm-hmm. just kind of shrug it off like no big deal and still be happy that i came to visit him and lay by his side and watch baseball and um, so then, after he passed away, I, that was in November, I got a DUI in February. I was a mess. I dropped my daughter off with her dad and went to the back door and uh, drank, 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 and I was house-sitting in the Kiski. 
which I'm not super familiar with Nikiski, right? And mm. there's also no like street lights or anything. And mm-hmm. um, it's February, it's dark, it's icy. Mm. And I didn't even think about it. I remember grabbing my keys and just like going to the door and jumping in the truck and taking off. And I was looking for the road and th- that I was supposed to turn on. And I'm like, is mm-hmm. this it? Is this it? And I'd slow down and then nope. And then I speed up. So I did that like three or four times and somebody called me in. So when I got pulled over, I was like, holy my life. Like my life is over. It's it. My life is over. There's no getting Mm. out of this. Right. And, uh, so when the cop pulled me over, uh, he told me what happened and whatever. And I just thanked him for pulling me over because I realized that I could have killed somebody or myself. And that like, even though I was so wasted, I totally got that, and I was like, I'm mm. so glad that I'm safe and mm. whatever. And um, I ended up blowing like a point three one four, I think. Holy smokes. So I was obliterated. You, you were alive. That's good. But, yeah. Barely. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. fact, it took me so long to sober up in the, in the drunk tank at the jail, like, I couldn't even believe how long it took me to get yeah. to the. I have to blow blow point zero point zero zero to get out of that oh, jam. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, after the DUI, dude, I think like coma and death is like point five. Yeah, it's it's really close. It yeah. was. This is very close. Point three, two point Everyone was really surprised that I was walking and driving. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, I stayed. I guess you got to remember like. Tolerance. Yeah, you've been drinking a lot for Ooh, a long yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's probably oh, yeah. really, like... I could out, and I was actually proud of this, I mm-hmm. could out drink, you know, most grown men. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I would start before I went places, and then I'd be kind of like, I don't know what my right. what I was thinking. But mm-hmm. so I stayed pretty bad after that. I was just not dealing with his death well. Um, and so I was just like ruining everything in in my life and uh i forgot where i was going with this let's <laughs> <laughs> just kind of i think we're getting to the part where it's not really sustainable anymore it's right like... yeah um i was to the point where i was like coughing up blood wow and i had such bad anxiety i couldn't sleep at night so i'd go um, like three days without actual sleep. I'd lay mm-hmm. down and just watch the, watch the moon move and, and, uh, watch the alarm clock and the time just elapse, elapse, elapse. And then it's time to get up and go to work. Mm. Jeez. And so I'm like battling the, ang- first, yeah, I got to drink first, yeah. battling the anxiety, um, not sleeping, not eating because I'm drinking my calories mm-hmm. and then, um, Going to work. It was awful. And so I had a seizure at work. Wow. And uh, broke my head open, peed myself, everything. Mm-hmm. In front, in the, I was a barista. Yeah. Um, so I was rushed to the hospital. And, I mean, I was turning blue and everything, my coworker said. And um, They didn't say, they just said, well, we're going to run you through all these tests. You're going to go see the neurologist. And so I did the heart monitor. I did the, all the tests um, and everything was normal. And I knew it was 
like my drinking was the root of all of these problems. Mm-hmm. Like we're trying to draw blood. It just keeps evaporating. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so I knew it, it was a long time coming, man. I mm. knew there was a mm. problem. We all knew there was a problem. And I had told myself those mornings that I'd wake up sick like that, mm-hmm. I'd be like, God, please let me never drink again. Oh, we've all been there, right? right? Yeah, like yeah. I will never drink again. And I and that gave me anxiety. Except for right now. Yeah, yeah. right. Except for when I feel good again. Uh-huh. We don't talk about that. No so I I just I begged. I was like, God, please just take away whatever it is that is making me drink. And I prayed on that for a long, long time. And so finally I was drinking alone because my daughter was with a friend. And so I was just sitting at home because it's cheaper to drink at home. I don't know if anyone knows this. Definitely. Yeah. But um, you don't have to tip. You don't. Anyway, <laughs> all that uh, I was like, well, and plus nobody's monitoring my yeah. intake. Mm-hmm. There's not a bartender like making sure you're okay and making yeah. you don't slump over. So yes. this, this is this is after the seizure in the hospital. Yes, day? I mm-hmm. had a couple seizures. Um, one uh, at work and one after I had, you know, tried quitting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I it was um, May 18th when my daughter was with her friend and mm-hmm. I called my mom and I said, mom, I'm afraid to go to sleep because a friend of mine, um, lost his brother from just like, uh, passing out in his like laundry. Oh, laundry. Wow. Yeah. Like on the bed or I forget exactly. But, um, so that was in my mind the whole time. Mm. And I was like, mom, I'm afraid to go to sleep. And so she took me to the ER because I can always call my mom. I know that even though she's mm. this, the, you should and you shouldn't. Well, you shouldn't have, la, la, la. Mm-hmm. Um, she was always the one that I could count on to mm. not judge me and mm. take me where I needed to go. So she did. She took me to the ER, and they came and got me. Uh, Care Transitions came and got me. And she couldn't even, like, see me off. Like, she couldn't bring mm. me to care transitions. Mm. Uh, yeah. She couldn't bring me things. She had to bring them to the intake office. Wow. And, and I couldn't have my cell phone and all that. And so it was like, whoa, this is really happening, right? Mm-hmm. But I was really excited. I was really mm. excited that I had taken that step. Mm. And uh, so... Dude, care <clears throat> transitions is amazing. Dude. It is amazing. And there was a guy who walked out of there while I was there, and I was just so sad for him because mm-hmm. he had been there for a few days, and I'm like, you're almost through the worst of it. I mean, I wasn't, it was like first day, right? But mm-hmm. I'm like, you're almost through the worst of it. Like, I have any idea, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what they were telling him, and yeah. so I figured they were right. Mm-hmm. And um, I met a wonderful lady in there who I'm still... Um, very good friends with and we talk occasionally see each other at the stores and um, I I'm just so grateful that I got in there because it was not fun being in there but I made that step and I was like I'm gonna be dead if I like ever drink again after this but I did (laughs) and I was damned because it was 4th of 
July oh, again. No. Here uh, it is. That day just Classic. comes around every year. Yeah, why? Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand though. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, oh, but it's it's April twentieth, dude. Oh, yeah. It's like, no, yeah. don't do it. I get that way around my birthday. Oh yeah. I'm like, dude, it's my birthday. Like, and I didn't this year. That's, that's just way to go, dude. Out there. The way to go. Year I didn't drink my birthday. Like 15, no, that's so. awesome, dude. But dude, I, same thing. I'm like, it's my birthday. Like, if there's any year or any day ever that's like gotta be celebrated, bro, it's Groundhog's Day and my birthday. Like, uh-huh. like, we just watched <laughs> that yesterday. That's super weird that you said that. <laughs> well, we were in high school. My brother and I used to like, and I think I ran with it a little more in college. But like, come up with random days to get in trouble. <laughs> but come on, bro! It's Groundhog's Day. It's Flag Day, dude. Half Christmas is every July or every June twelfth at noon, so it's half Christmas. Dude, like whatever, like just the most ridiculous things. And I, part of it was satire, obviously, like just right. being ridiculous mm-hmm. and anyway. But like, I know I feel that. Yeah, <laughs> birthday. So that, that's what started. It sounds like what started your your. I guess the road to recovery or, or on that path was legitimate fear of death. Yes. You're like, I could die and I'm not okay with that. So, and I have a daughter. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So we're, actually what, how was that kind of relationship? Where was she in all this? Uh, oh, she has been an old soul since day one. She mm-hmm. is 12 now and she is like an adult in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was when, when my dad died, I was a complete mess. Luckily, I hadn't drank too much the night before when my mom called me and said, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you guys need to get here, like, right away. Mm. Um, this is it. And mm. so I'm like, get your stuff. We got to Just a big, I was just a big emotional mess. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, mom, I got the blah, blah. You know, let's go. And she's just so, she's so good. Mm. And... Uh, but when I was in my most of, let's see, she was probably seven by the time she knew it was bad, oh, right? Okay. Yeah. So, um, in the latter part of these years, she's been like, "Really, mom?" Or I'd say, "I'm going to run down to the gas station." She knew exactly what that meant. Yeah. Because they had the two bottles of R and R for the fourteen ninety five, and so that was mm-hmm. the best deal in town, and. I'd be like, I'm going to run to the gas station. I'd tuck her in and be like, I'm going to run to the gas station. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Mom, really? Really, mm. Mom? Why do you... And then she could just tell. She would walk in the door from school, and she could just tell that I had been drinking. And she would mm. just, like, not give me the time of day and go to her room. And, you know, go play with friends and whatever. And uh, so she resented me toward the end wow. for that. And... Uh, she was definitely a, a reason to quit. And I kept telling her the same time. I'm mm-hmm. like telling myself, I'll never drink again. I tell her I'll never drink again. Mm-hmm. And I'm done. I'm done. I know I need to quit. I'm done. And mm-hmm. it was just a, oh, such a struggle those last, you know, once I had decided it was a struggle to actually quit. Yeah. Did she almost keep you accountable though? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it sounds like she was very... Opinionated, you know, about it wasn't just like, oh yeah, whatever, mom. It's just like this is not okay. I'm not okay with this. Yeah. So. In fact, when she was like four, because um, I was smoking at the time for mm-hmm. whatever reason, because uh, you know, just I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but I would only smoke when I would 
drive in the car or mm-hmm. like in the morning and then right before I went to sleep. So uh, she was like, Mom, smoking's bad. Like she's learning in school, smoking's bad. Yeah. And here I am smoking, right? Ugh, so disgusting <laughs> too. It's so bad. And um, one morning I got up and she's still in bed and I like grab my pack and I'm like headed outside to smoke and I get out there and I'm like, ha ha ha, now's my time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because it's those simple, stupid little addictive, like, like, ah, you know, yeah, here's nobody my knows. <laughs> Yeah, nobody knows. Um, did it actually happen? Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and I open up the pack and all of the cigarettes are busted in half. She pulled them out, busted them in half and then slid them back into the pack and set the pack back where I had it hiding wow. where it was wow. hidden and she never said a word about it and the next morning i or you know when she woke up i said did you do this and i'm like like clenching my jaw mm-hmm. like did you do this and she's like you said you would quit and i was like it. what a power move oh yeah <laughs> she's she's brutal she's awesome so mm-hmm. yeah when it came to the drinking she was just like and i just knew i was an embarrassment because mm. I was so freaking extra, you know, uh, yeah. everywhere we went, mom's being extra, like, because yeah. I don't need it. Like, you can probably tell I'm just kind of like, woo, you know, <laughs> um, out there, opinionated, mm-hmm. uh, just whatever, outspoken. And so when I was drinking, I was just, if I didn't like what someone was doing, boy, did I tell them. Mm-hmm, and then she's like. Oh my God, mom, can you not? And I mean, she's like five, you know, <laughs> whatever. She's just like, mom, you're being ridiculous. Like, what? I was. I was such an You're being Yeah. Because it was long past the, it's more, everything's more fun. It's like, no, it's not even fun. It's just, I can't do it without it now. And yeah. now I'm just an yeah, I was actually, I was just thinking that, that it, from what I've heard you say, it almost sounds like when it started, you thought this is basically the best version of Katie. Like, mm-hmm. even when you're talking about, you know, seeing your dad, it's just, it's almost, to me, it's almost like this is the most fun, the coolest version of me that I have to offer just anyone or even feeling good about yourself kind of. Mm-hmm. And and then eventually, like you said, it progressed to, I can't really, like, life just is kind of empty without this. Because, mm-hmm. like I was I saying. I think that's so. kind of like the trademark of addiction is, like, yeah. this is the best version of me until it's the worst version uh-huh. of me. Uh-huh. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's, you get to a certain point, where like, with people with addictive personalities that choose to use substances like this, or, like, just find themselves for whatever reason using substances, like, it honestly probably, it does feel like it's the best version of you at 16 you know it's fun like you said like you're fun you're outgoing you're extra you're this you know it's like all these positive identity things until you're 31 and you're loud and outgoing and extra and like all these things that like kind of as you get older like as you mature you're supposed to not necessarily grow out of but like refine in ways you know Uh what I mean to make them Mm -hmm. more like not really acceptable, but more, like, productive in ways, you know? like Absolutely. It's kind of like the trademark of addiction is it's, like, it's the best version of me until it's the worst version of me. And, then and I think you start to, you, yeah. you start to lose what, so you, before you get heavy into addiction, you are all those things like you mentioned, and then you introduce substance, and then you just kind of shed all the good that you mm. were, and you become more of what the substance 
you know, gives you. Mm-hmm. And until you just are empty, there mm-hmm. is no the former Katie. She's right. I don't know where she's at. In fact, when I did get sober, everyone's like, I'm so glad you're back. And I'm like, I have no idea even where I went. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I was gone. Mm-hmm. I was completely gone. I was not the Katie that, you know, people knew and loved. So, yeah. ugh. This is, kind of a, this is kind of a side trail. But I wonder if that's, that progression can lead into basically making identity out of your addiction. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen some people where it's like the very person they are is the substance. Like right. that's what they identify with. They're always the person mm-hmm. with, you know, maybe Jack Daniels or, or maybe they're <clears throat> smoking or whatever. You know, right. it just kind of becomes them. So I wonder if that's, that's like the final form of it is that that is what your life is about. And that's basically it. And mm-hmm. everything outside of that is just kind of extra, but it almost mm-hmm. kind of becomes you. Uh, yeah. I wonder if that's related. I think at the point, dude, I think you have, like, there's a little, some standing there. And I think where that comes, dude, is, like, when you said, like, when it's no longer, like, this extra thing in your life. You, know, you think about the focus of your life, you know, mm-hmm. for, like, a lot of people, like, in your identity as the focus of your life, like, in that middle circle where it's, like, I am... I'm a mother, I am this, or I'm a father, I am this. And, like, all these mm-hmm. things that, like, we really, like, attach to as human beings, like, these part of ourselves that we identify. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the point where, like, those things are all on the outside, like, these outside tethers, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, like, drawing a little web map here. Yeah, yeah. Like, or, like, oh, yeah, I'm a mother over here. I'm a son over here. I'm a daughter over here. Or, like, I do this or I'm this. But, like, most of all, like, I need to drink today. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Or, like, that becomes your focus and, like, your main priority and perspective. Like, oh, if I drink, then I'm a better. Or if I, I'm a better mother. Or if I, like, because we've had people use, like, with, especially, like, with stimulants in the past. Where, like, I just felt like I was a better parent, you know, because I could keep up. I was getting, like, to work every day and I was clean and everything was clean. and Enthusiastic. Like, yeah, you know, and, like, everything was fun. And, like, I was really thought, I, I really thought it was helping me. So, like, I feel mm-hmm. like you do kind of become... Like, it does kind of envelop your life at that point when that becomes your main priority and perspective. You know what I mean? Like, that becomes a main part of your identity. And that really fits in with that, the frame, even of how we understand addiction nowadays, of it becoming, like you said, a priority over even becoming more than eating and drinking, more than shelter, to the point where you stop taking care of yourself because that's not the priority. Like Mm -hmm. you said, this is the center. So if this isn't, if that center part isn't getting fulfilled, nothing else matters. It's like, well, I will figure out all this stuff after I get this, after I have my drink. Then I'll go clean the house, figure out my life, whatever, taxes, you know. Even if I was driving by the gas company and was like, ooh, I need to pay that bill. And I, I had my wallet. I, I could do it right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, eh, but I really need to get home and get a drink. Then maybe I'll call and pay mm-hmm. over the phone. Yeah. Like, yeah. how ridiculous. <laughs> that is a that is real example, real yeah. life example for oh, me. Yeah, so yeah. I did that shit all the time. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell us about uh, this 4th of July. How long had it been? Like, this is the first kind of stumbling block, but you're, yeah. you're on your way. Uh, yeah. Okay, so... May 18th is when I went into care transitions Mm -hmm. and passed with flying colors, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm doing good. But there was this weird feeling that I had that I, I was still dealing with the, how can I, 
deal with never drinking again. Like I don't, I couldn't get that in my head. Like mm. never the rest of my life I can't drink. And I'm like, oh god, I know that I'm gonna drink at some point. There's no way. There's I a that's a long I can't time. Even, yeah. Like even now we saying that, that it gives me like anxiety because it's like when you think about it in that huge scope, it's. It's so hard, you know. Like, I'm never having Christmas again yeah. or something. It's just so lost. I, I was carrying that around with me like, mm. I'm sober, yay! But how can I go the rest of my life without drinking? And so here comes the 4th of July. Uh, my boyfriend was working out of town. And my it was me and my daughter. And I ended up going camping and... Uh, I had to work the next day. <laughs> oh boy. At, at one, at one p.m. Mm-hmm. So I Plenty partied all night, time. and my poor daughter just like along for the ride. Just what a show. So uh, I'm still wasted. We get a cab home at like noon. I get ready for work, go into work, and uh, I end up, you know. At, my boss asked me, you know, have you been drinking? I said, well, I was camping last night. Duh, it was the 4th of July. I was camping last night. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, you need to go home. Like, you can't be here because I think you're still under the influence, right? Mm -hmm. So I go home, and then he has to report it or, like, write me up or whatever. So, mm -hmm. and then HR decides they're going to let me go. So I got fired is what happened, really. Wow. So, I, yeah. see, there's my ism just, like, justifying, well, uh, it was possibly still in my system, blah, 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 blah. No, I got fired for being drunk at work. That's the bottom line. Right. So. And honestly, I mean, that, I'm assuming that sucked. Just completely sucked at the time. But what a great, just immediately, you know, takes you, uh, right back to this is not gonna work mm -hmm. like you drink the first time since you got sober and immediately get fired mm -hmm. like if that is not the ultimate just smackdown of like yeah. that was i messed up that is like jeez. Mm -hmm. yeah that was kind of like it's true i can't drink yeah i, I can't mm -hmm. because there wasn't even like well maybe you should just have a couple um and then go to work the next day. No, because if I was going to do it, I was going to do it. So two turns into six, turns into nine. Oh, God. Well, who knows? We're into right. numbers of bottles yeah. at this point. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It yeah. was brutal. And so, but with with how much that sucked, mm -hmm. there was a part of me that was like, wow, like, I'm really starting over now. Like, mm -hmm. this is public knowledge. Mm. I was, like, a, a huge, important piece of that group at work. Mm. And people are going to see me out in town and wonder where I'm at mm. and what's going on. Mm. So the only thing I could think of was to completely turn it all around and uh, just be my best and make the next best choice. And I was like, you know... I need to go to meetings. I need to, you know, do all that. And I remember being in a meeting and uh, saying, because I finally spoke at a meeting. Yikes, was that hard. Um, I said... How long have you been going before you, before you spoke for the first time? So after Care Transitions, I, I went, um, and it was <laughs> the most uncomfortable thing I can remember. Mm -hmm. uh, like, public anxiety mm -hmm. feeling. 
And here I am thinking people are judging me, and mm. I, oh, I just blocked everybody out, and I just sat there, and um, I got a lot out of what other people said, but it was hard. And then I went again, and so that was in that from the 18th of May to the, you know, so mm -hmm. I had dabbled in it a little bit, and then uh, I had to re-announce my sobriety day right. because mm -hmm. I was going to have a month, but I wasn't really going to have a month. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I said, cause someone said, aren't you, they said, do we have any birthdays for the month of whatever? And they're like, Katie, don't you? And I'm like, no. So I was like, I have a new date. And so mm -hmm. I remember getting my one month chip and seeing other people have like year and longer and just like, Oh, but uh, I remember, back to my point, I remember saying in that meeting, um, I'm just devastated that I lost my job, mm -hmm. but I'm so excited because I just feel like there's something better, like mm -hmm. something's going to come along, and now I feel like I'm equipped to handle it and rock it and wow. just embrace sobriety and just... Mm -hmm. um, move forward. <laughs> yeah. So do so. you do like the 90 meetings, 90 days sort of thing or? Um, it was encouraged. I know that I went to several, I mean, there almost, <laughs> almost daily. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I hit the 90, 90, um, but I was going every day. Yeah. Uh, and when I couldn't, I'd be like, Oh, I need to, I want to go to a meeting. Um, <laughs> because I just learned to love the people. And I realized mm -hmm. there's so many mm -hmm. people in our community who are just normal people and and they're in there so mm -hmm. it's not like it's a certain type of person you know and right. so i just i love i love going to meetings and i think that's important to note that often with the uh, the stigma of addiction that you kind of have the idea that oh yeah they're just going to be like just imagine this person maybe like yeah i would like a hood on all just huddled mm. up and and non-communicative but these these are just regular people like we have people we do podcasts with you would have no idea that they almost died four times or mm -hmm. you know literally like mm -hmm. or, or what they've been through even you lost you know? families yeah. and all sorts yeah. of stuff oh it's, my gosh they, they, they're just i mean they're just regular like they're just mm -hmm. everyday regular people you see them at the grocery store or whatever you don't you don't know you don't know what they've no. been through so it's it's good to keep in mind that uh, it's anybody mm -hmm. you know and uh and yeah. and i think you know that's like that's something that if people like that aren't even in addiction or necessarily affected by addiction like ever happen to stumble across like these podcasts you know what i mean like outside of even addiction you know like everybody kind of everybody's going to face struggle at some point you know mm -hmm. what i mean there's not going to be anybody on earth that's never struggled relatively for anything you know what i mean i think like i mean myself included sometimes i think as human beings you know we kind of get caught in the scope of self where we're like oh but their problem's not as bad as mine or like mine's not as bad as theirs or like just kind of like a comparative of like struggle you know, when mm -hmm. I, like, at the end of the day like it's all pretty relative it's all really relative you know what i mean like mm -hmm. And just when we approach people with that, like, I don't know, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what this person's been through, or I don't mm -hmm. know this person really that well at all, you know? And, like, in just the way we approach people in general, like, to approach people with, like, a certain sense of compassion, or, like, if we do see somebody who looks to be struggling, like, 
It's not like, like we've talked about before, like nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, oh yeah, I'm just going to do some heroin today, or I'm going to get up and I'm just going to drink and do oblivion today. Like mm -hmm. I'm just going to get up and do this like the first time ever and just do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, nobody chooses that. Like nobody right. chooses to like, quote unquote, like run themselves down that far. You know what I mean? Nobody like consciously makes a choice in the one morning to be like, and today I'm going to be an addict. Right. Like, nobody does that, dude. Like, I feel like when we approach or anything, you know, any kind of like societal flaw that we choose to see, air quotes, you know, like nobody chooses to wake up and be like a terrible human being. You know what I mean? Like, or to do, to be these things that like we've all kind of like pushed onto them and mm -hmm. like in any sort of stigma, mental health. Right. Addiction. If you give it a label, then you give it a, a, an association like oh that type of person if mm -hmm. they if they're an alcoholic then they're this type of person right. mm -hmm. what and on that note of what you said about we don't know uh like they could have gone through worse or not as much as you or whatever um that was one of the things that deterred me from the rooms when i mm -hmm. realized i hadn't gone in a while and um i should probably go back and then i i had this like and it's recurring and so i, I need to nip it in the bud and just you know uh, eventually eliminate it, but uh, I always feel like uh, my situation isn't as bad as others in the room, mm. and so it's not as important that I make it to the meeting. Mm. And even my daughter the other day was like, when was the last meeting you went to? And I was like, well, it was in July, but, you know, you're right. It's almost September, you know. Mm -hmm. I need to need to get back in there. Um but I often feel like they they look at me like, you know, she's had it so easy, you know. And mm -hmm. so that has kept me out. I'm guilty of that. But I, I still I still go when I can and and love going and encourage going. That's yeah. a that's a kinda of strange but interesting concept that I can kinda of relate to. It's almost you think my problems aren't as bad, so I don't really need the attention. Like, I don't mm -hmm. really need help because those people, they need help. Like, they're struggling a lot. But me, I, I don't you know, I don't want people to waste the resources on me, you mm -hmm. know. But I think that's almost a cop-out, though. It's, it it's, is. It's, you're I like, think in ways, dude, it's one of those things that, like, because I do similar things, mm -hmm. obviously. And I think a lot of people that with struggles do this. Yeah. And I think a lot of the people... What I always relate it back to is like, because me and Eric talk about this quite often, and I talk about this in like every podcast ever, <laughs> because it's just so relative to, I mean, not only in my life, but I feel like a lot of people's lives, you know, like, you attack the problem, right? Mm -hmm. The problem, which is like your drinking or your use. And then you come to realize, dude, that like, there's some things underneath that, that are also the problem. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, this didn't help the problem, like the big problem, right? But it definitely wasn't like the foundational things. And I think a lot of people like, that turn to substances have this foundational problem of like a lack of self-worth, you know, lack of self-esteem sometimes, you know what I mean? Where like you don't, maybe this is another projection, but like you don't feel like, oh, I'm not as bad as like you saying to yourself really in a way that like I don't deserve this help. Yeah. And like I don't mm -hmm. deserve to go to these meetings and like be a part of this because like I don't need it when really you just don't really feel like you're worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, to really go and get this help or like really to make, you're kind of make you're justifying in an opposite way of what you really do, like in ways want and need, you know what I mean? Like you're just as worthy and just as needing and this help because it is all relative and it is out there for everybody. You know, mm -hmm. it's like you don't have, 
to be a 30-year abuser of heroin to go to an NA meeting. You know, you don't have to have been drinking and ruining all of your relationships to go to an AA meeting. Right. Like, you're just as valuable and worthy of that help and those resources as anybody else in this community. Mm-hmm. And what is really sad is I know that there are so many people who have considered going, but they feel the same way I felt, which is terrified mm-hmm. of actually going. Right. And I kind of did it to appease my family, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm, yeah. Because, you know, here's my ism, like, you got this girl, you got it. You know, mm-hmm. you don't need to go to those meetings. But it's like, well, I should do what they're saying I should do. So I went, and then I went for, like I said, almost every day for quite a while. And mm-hmm. and I began to love it so, so much. And so in recent weeks, I've encountered, um, you know, just daily stuff where I'm like, gosh, I bet they would know what to do. Like, I need to share this. I need to bounce this off other people in the rooms. And uh, I have some people who I've talked to, but... Um, you know, it's all in like expressing yourself in the meeting, people, um, you know, giving their two cents on it, uh, always encouraging. And then afterward, you know, you visiting with the other people and they always have, it's just nice to know that they're not judging you and mm-hmm. there's another perspective to have and that's what I want is whenever I'm dealing with something I just need a fresh perspective because I'm all about me Mm -hmm. I'm all about me all the time so uh now that I know what the meetings offer I'm like when you're ready because I don't push anybody but I'm Mm -hmm. like when you're ready you know I'll go with you because I know what they offer Mm -hmm. and what they've done for me it's always nice to have accountability accountability buddy yeah community just yeah, in general sure. a group mm-hmm. of people like i <clears throat> i personally do this and i'm sure pretty much everyone does it but just getting stuck inside your own head your mm-hmm. own thoughts you don't have outside perspective so things that are pretty obvious you just totally miss because you're mm-hmm. just you're just trapped in here in your head mm-hmm. all, all what, what you can see but then someone else might just be like all that takes is for them to notice something that you just had no idea about because mm-hmm. they're not you. Like, right. that's it. And yeah. To have, like we said, a non judgmental community of people who basically just want to help you, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. You know, like Aaron was saying, it doesn't have to be 30 years of addiction or whatever. You know, it can be just something that you struggle with, but that's mm-hmm. what they want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure the people at those meetings would rather have you come in, like, having tried heroin maybe for the first time or whatever, and mm-hmm. be like, this isn't what I want. And they can save you all the years of pain that they've gone through. Oh, yeah. They want you as soon as possible. Like, it's not, your burden's not good enough. They want, they don't want you to have to carry that. They've Mm -hmm. been down that road, and I'm sure they want what's best. I'm not going to quote him perfectly, but there's Mm -hmm. a guy in the rooms who, he's said this a few times, it's always stuck with me, and of course it's all distorted, it'll be all distorted coming out, but Mm -hmm. in my mind it makes sense. And he says, there's not enough, uh you know, time in my life to make all the mistakes that we've all made. So it's like, Mm. um, let me spare you. Here's my mistakes that I've made. Everyone's got their, just put them all out there. And you can be like, I'm going to learn from Mm -hmm. all these people's mistakes. So I don't have to, you know, lose lose Mm -hmm. the things and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, have to deal with those things. So yeah, when you talk about perspective, you go in there and you're like, holy that's what can really happen. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I thought that my bottom, when I got off the elevator, 
uh, wasn't near some of those things, but I was certainly headed there. Right. Yeah. If I was alive to experience it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what is uh, what is your recovery like today? Or even since that fateful 4th of <laughs> July, what, what is, uh, you said you went to a lot of meetings, but what has uh, been really driving you or um, struggled with what you've done well or, or you feel like is so um my daughter definitely uh i am very open about i'm an open book about my my sobriety and uh, my struggles and my mistakes i mean it's really hard to not talk about the darkest parts there are so many more (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um uh, I'm just very open with her about how happy I am uh, not drinking, and I make sure to tell her how great she's doing in this, and I just make sure I'm there for her. So really, I'm just like stepping up my mom role because honestly, I'm lucky to have her mm-hmm. um, because I had driven after drinking countless times. And um, not usually with her, but sometimes, like, if we mm-hmm. just swing by the brewery, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not looked at as a terrible thing. But when mm. you're as bad as me, it is a terrible thing. Um, mm. Because, you know, it doesn't stop there. But um, so I just am doing a lot of uh, spiritual growth and just trying to... Just be the best mom while, you know, I've got the, <laughs> I got sober just in time for middle school. Oh, nice. good. So, that was a close one, but you got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're getting into that. And so that's fun, but it's oh, just boy. such a blessing that I have a clear head. I tell my mom all the time. I'm like, I am so glad I'm sober mm. for this situation <laughs> because I just imagine how I'd be handling it. Mm. And I really do. I'm kind of a masochist like this. I'll be like, mm, if I was drinking, it would have gone like this, this, and this. And it is a train wreck. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's exactly how it would go. And But I, I need that scare to keep me over here, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, other than that, I, I went to the Jamboree. Uh, they have the Jamboree every year. When I went last year, I was eight days sober. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was terrified, and they do this like sobriety countdown where um, they say, "Have you been sober this many years?" And they add up all the years and days and months of all the people in the room. Mm-hmm. And I think this year it was like uh, one thousand six hundred. Anyway, I'm gonna butcher it, but it was so many years mm-hmm. wow, of sobriety, awesome. and so from day one, twenty four hours to like fifty years. Um, all, every day that those people have been sober is a huge accomplishment. Mm-hmm. So it always just blows my mind, always, this year and last year. Um, but when I went this year, I was uh, a year sober. So mm-hmm. I was just like, man, I cannot believe it. I cannot believe I made it a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, But now it's like, here you were at month one, excuse me, month one, hoping to get to a year mm. and now you're at a year now what are you going to do right so when i was there like the first few meetings i was like i cannot wait until i have that time and 
And uh, I can't wait because I know there's like huge opportunities coming my way. And so now that I'm a year and some change, I'm like, I'm so excited for the opportunities this year brings. And here we are, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the opportunity to share my story and um, encourage those around me. I have been really um, vocal about it on my Facebook and Instagram. And I've had some people reach out to me that you, again, you would never imagine Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they live seemingly normal lives Mm -hmm. and have normal families and they're affected by it too. So I'm like super glad that, (coughs) that I can be, you know, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to call myself an inspiration. It sounds a little geeky, but, um, I think it's valid. Yeah. For for other people, I'm sure you've been inspired yeah. by some people. No, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I th- I don't think that's so well deserved title. It's 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 hard. A lot of my <coughs> sobriety is my journey is uh, you know being real about the dark parts. Mm-hmm. It's not fun for anyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you could go back and tell yourself, like I guess in kind of the the part where you're really in it. If there was something that you think would help, what would you say? Not to be distracted, dude. This this is a weird question because every time I hear this question, dude, I always think to myself, because just like the person I am, I'm like, honestly, man, it wouldn't matter because I could have came back, reincarnated, and told myself, <laughs> like, hey, man, this isn't sustainable. And I'd be like, dude, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'd, I'd right. say this to me, and I'd be like, I know. Yeah. I know it's not sustainable. I know. Right? Also, mm-hmm. see you. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, God, if it was at all possible, I would play myself, a, you know, a mm-hmm. <clears throat> hyperlapse of that moment to 35 and and show that myself um, how it plays out. Mm-hmm. because there's everything that I would do differently. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, uh, It's interesting. Uh, you've, you've kind of said what's helped you now is what, what we've heard in recovery called playing the tape forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're like, okay, if I do this, this is what's going to happen. So yeah. I'm not going to do that. So do you think if you could go back and you realize the, I guess the, how big the consequences got later on down the road? Do you think that would have stopped you? Yes. Oh, so you really didn't know. You really were no. just like, this is, is going to be fine. And then mm-hmm. eventually hit you like, this is not fine at all. You know, I'm going yeah. to the hospital more or less. Yeah, well, and it, it blaming everyone but myself the whole time except mm-hmm. for at the very end. And mm-hmm. that's why they say the first step is admitting you have a problem. Um, I denied, I blamed, I ostracized, I burned bridges. And uh, <clears throat> it still led me down the path of destruction. It's like, okay, mm. well, I'll just, uh, I'm not going to go down that path because it's not working out for me, so I'm going to go down this path. <clears throat> it was all negative, and it mm. was all destructive. So There's no good path in the whole forest. There right? is no, no. Yeah. So once, but at that point when I got fired, I was like, I hung up the phone because he called me and told me that HR said that or whatever. And, uh, I mean, I was devastated, like I said, but 
I was like, wow, I really have to flip the script right now. I need mm -hmm. to completely change my life. Mm -hmm. And what a feeling to know that, all right, that sucked. But what a feeling to know that it's a new day, it's a new slate, it's a new direction. What, I mean, it can't be any worse than what it's been. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was excited. I was yeah. excited about it. And that moment, I knew that, you know, because I told you about that piece that I was lugging around like, mm -hmm. well, I can never drink again. Even though they say, oh, it's just one day at a time. You just don't have to drink today. And I do mm -hmm. practice that all the time. Um, when I, because that still creeps into my, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like, I really don't have to drink today. And look at how great my day was. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow I don't, you know, I'm going to go to bed and then I won't have to drink tomorrow either. And anytime I deal with a struggle, because it's been over a year, I've had a few struggles, <laughs> a few um, instances where I've been just like not in control of what things that transpire in life mm -hmm. and uh i've said it's nothing i have to drink over mm -hmm. and i like I, I would tell my mom uh i'm just so glad i'm sober so i can deal with it mm -hmm. like a normie <laughs> <laughs> and move forward mm -hmm. not in that direction not this right. big detour of ignore it <clears throat> delay eventually get around to it but yeah so if you think of like a spectrum here's one side here's the other so you're in the destructive zone mm -hmm. when i got the call it was like oh shit, right <clears throat> mm -hmm. you have to completely go the other way mm. and all the things that were destroying your life just can't exist anymore so it's only going to get better and it's so crazy how possible that is to yeah. just change on a dime when when you really know that, yep. that that's not what you wanted. It sounds like you your values at that moment really shifted. Like, yes. This isn't, this isn't what I want. I realized how close I was to losing the things that were so near and dear to me, my family, my daughter, my life. Mm. So realizing those things could be taken from me, and I'm lucky that they weren't, um, that was enough. But I mean... <clears throat> it's like, what's enough? What's enough to make you scared enough? Mm. You just have to... You just have <clears throat> to know it. you're not invincible. Mm. I mean, when I fell and broke my head open and had my seizure seizures, <clears throat> I knew that it was dangerous. It could happen when I was driving. Mm -hmm. And, oh yeah, okay, so like... When you're kind of in denial, when you know you you want to quit, but you're like, but I've just been drinking for so long, or mm -hmm. I've been, you know, doing drugs for so long, I can't stop now. Come on, like. Mama didn't raise no quitter. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh God, I'm gonna get cool guy, right? Um, so, it's you're you're already setting yourself up for failure because it's already like been chosen you've mm. chosen your fate because mm -hmm. you are a smoker or you are uh you know an alcoholic so why stop now mm. but once you say you know i'm the kind of person who is in control of my life then you're like all right so the ties are cut from that whole association with whatever it is that you do or did and you're like okay I may have 
drank for the last 20 years, but I'm the type of person who has control over what I do in this moment or this day. Hmm. So then what will be will be. You have the choice. Yeah. But I'll be damned if I'm going to let my addiction win, right? Right. I have the control. So Hmm. I choose um, not to drink. That's interesting. It's like rebelling against your addiction. Absolutely. I'm not going to let this control me. Just like... I, I like that. I like that's a good way to look at it. Refined rebellious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. That is what it is, isn't it? <laughs> Sounds like some kind of band or something. Right. Maybe some Audrey trademark. Have you, um, have you ever seen um, um, Parks and Rec? Yes, of no. course. Oh, dude, when Andy's always coming up with those band names, they're like, she's like, oh, there's a part where one of the ladies is like trying on these suits, like trying on suits of the other lady, you know? And she's like, because this girl, one character never wears suits. She's like, She's like, oh, there's a, there's a concert ticket to Fleetwood Mac in here. And, like, now I have to wear Leslie's Fleetwood Mac sex pants. And Andy's like, Fleetwood Mac sex pants, new band name, called it. <laughs> called <laughs> and like, it. And he's sitting there, and he's like, it's Chris Pratt, you know? So uh-huh. Yeah. Shrugging his beard, he goes, maybe just Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> <laughs> he's always one of these weird band names. Gosh. Weird band names, like Mouse Rat. <laughs> like, there's a whole scene where they're going through all his band names. That's, uh, that's, that's such a, a good one. I love it. <laughs> Worth it. Refined right. rebellion. Yeah. yeah. And I guess, I mean, I am I am a rebel. I, I'm not a, like a bad girl, but mm-hmm. don't tell me what I can and can't do mm-hmm. because I will do the opposite. If I say, choose a restaurant, and you say this one, or you say option A, I'm going to be like, okay, B it is. Like, ugh, that's just how I am. Uh-huh. It's like, please help me by telling me which one we're not going to. <laughs> yeah. Tell me which one you want to go to so we go to the other one. Because all of a sudden, that one sounds so much better to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, this has been really great talking with you about this and uh, kind of going through your life and uh, the different phases. But it sounds like you you have the, the control that you want now. You have a life that you believe is is worth living and worth not drinking a day absolutely basically. yeah that's so cool to hear stories like yours where thank you you just you found a way and and here you are today and you're you're you like where you're at maybe it's not all sunshine and rainbows yeah. not all good all the time no, but it's a Maybe not even half the time it's but a journey that i can see and mm-hmm. feel and smell and and you know <clears throat> remember yeah yeah so. it's very uniquely your own that's right <clears throat> well i appreciate you having me yeah thank you so much <laughs> katie for joining us today this was really fun um for anybody else out there that is at that point you know where they're kind of ready to get some help there's uh plenty of resources in our community and uh care transitions is obviously a great point to start there are there's people out in the community that really want to see you succeed and want to see you living your genuine best life, you know, like that real best version of yourself. Um, yes. So you can, you can always just go to the hospital, pop in, um, ask to see Dale or somebody from Care Transitions. They'll get you set up there. Um, we're here at the Serenity Intake Office on 245 North Binkley Street. You can always come in here and ask for some help if you need um, or want. Thank you so much for listening. This is you and I for the Kenai.